Well, today's uh, service is brought to you by DirecTV. Um, <laughs> no, I just wanted you to have an idea in case you didn't know what to get mom. You can always get her some cabbages. She has her cabbages, and so you can run to the grocery store and still do that. Now, we are beginning a new series today called Move. Because many times, I think, like these settlers, we, we, what once was pioneering, what once was exciting, what once was moving forward, we get stuck in life. We get stuck and we settle, and all of a sudden, it seems that life is just what it is. It's the same old routines, it's the same old patterns, it's the same old habits, and we just get to a point where we feel stuck. The same old, same old, maybe it's a new day, but the same routine, maybe some different challenges, but it just feels like the same thing is happening over and over and over again. Anyone ever been there? Life just kind of feel stuck. And how about moms this morning? Do you ever feel stuck? Or as parents, as we think about raising kids, I mean, you look at your kids and do you ever wonder, are we making any progress? If you still have kids at home, or maybe if your kids are grown, you're still wondering that same question. Are we making any progress? If you have the kids at home and they're still making messes, you know that for every three things that you pick up, how many things do they drop down? Three or more, right? I mean, there's just no making progress. Or how many times you said, I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, right? Or you stop chewing with your mouth open. Would you please say thank you? And over and over, you're trying to raise a mature adult. And you look, and sometimes you see your kids, and you wonder, are we making any progress? And it seems futile, and it seems like we're stuck in this place. But what would it look like if we can go somewhere? And in this series, the reason we're calling this series Move is because we want us to move from a place of stuckness, maybe a place of being settled, to moving towards what God has for us. And we're going to be going through the book of Philippians. And in this book, we're going to look at eight different moves. And they're on the back of your worship folder over these next several weeks. We're going to look at a move each week. That if we can make these moves and shift our lives and and take a step in this direction, we're going to experience life in a very different way. Because what God's Word teaches us and what, what, what we understand about life and who we are is that it is a journey, and it's a process, and it's taking us somewhere. And so somehow we've got to keep moving and going towards what God has for us and not just being stuck in one place. And so this morning, what I really want to focus on as we begin this series, we're going to begin in just an introduction to the book of Philippians, but I want us to look at this question, where are you stuck? Where are you stuck, and what is God trying to do, and where is he trying to move you towards? Let's pray, and then we'll jump into this book. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for a place like this where we can come, where we can celebrate what you're doing in the lives of families, where we can come together and worship, where we can celebrate moms and the role and the influence that they've had in our lives and and do in the, the children all around us in the world. And so, God, this morning, though, as we look at your word, God, would you speak to us? Would you... Uh, would your spirit just open our eyes to what you would need each of us to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, we're going to be looking through the book of Philippians. So before we even get into the specifics of today's message, I just want to give you an overview to the book of Philippians. If you want to feel uh, like you've made some good progress and you tell somebody, I read a book this weekend, read the book of Philippians. It is four chapters long. It'll take you about 15 to 17 minutes, okay? So we're going to be in this book for the next, uh, for the next couple of months, two months. So take the time and read Philippians. Read through this important book. Now, what is Philippians? It's really not actually a book. It's a book of the Bible. But it is a letter that is written to a group of churches. It's written to people living in the city of Philippi. It's uh, it's in a region of Macedonia back in the day. Probably, I think it's probably in the region of Turkey or somewhere around that area right now, Greece. And and think about that part of the world is where Philippi was. And and here Paul is writing this letter. Now Paul, uh, for those of you who've been in the church for a while, you are familiar with the name of Paul. But Paul was somebody who vehemently opposed 
Christians. He actually hunted them down. He thought they were on the wrong path until he had his own conversion experience. Very dramatically, he encountered Christ, and his life was never the same. He actually became very fiery about um, teaching the ways of Jesus and the gospel, and and he began... uh, touring the entire region of the Roman Empire at that time, going on missionary journeys and starting churches and and leading people to know Christ. And one of his journeys took him to a city called Philippi. And actually it was the prompting of God that he had that that he sensed, and we read about this in, in the book of Acts, which talks about some of his journeys, where he had this prompting to go into this region of Macedonia. And so he went and he goes to Philippi, and when he arrives in Philippi, he starts looking for people who have an openness to God. And he finds some of them over by the river, outside of town somewhere. And, and there he goes, and there's some ladies. And he begins to, to talk to them. He begins to teach them. And it says that the Spirit of God prepared them to hear the Word of God. And that they believed in Jesus Christ. And one of them was a lady named Lydia. She was a merchant. She would sell cloths. And, and Philippi was on a trade route. It was a Roman colony that was colonized by Rome. It was part of the Greek Hellenistic culture. And so it had this confluence of Greek and Hellenism and, and the Roman Empire. It was an outpost for, for Rome, and so very, very uh, influential area there, but about ten to 15,000 people, and here's this, this woman who's a, a merchant who's trading in, in goods. She comes to know Christ, and it says her and her, her entire household believed, in, and she actually began to open the doors to her home for people to come and to gather there. And while Paul is there in Philippi, he encounters a, uh, this, this demon-possessed girl that's brought to him. But actually, this girl that has this possession has been used by her owners to predict fortunes and to be like a fortune teller for, for individuals. And so when, when Paul and Silas, they go and, and they actually cast this demon out of her, all of a sudden, she's freed from this. But now what's the problem? She can't make money anymore for her slave masters, her owners. And so they arrest Paul and Silas. They throw him in jail. And then through a miraculous way of God moving, they are released from jail. And they're freed from that, and, and the jailer comes to know Christ. And the jailer and his whole family believe, and they're baptized, and it says his, and his entire household. And so we get this little glimpse of Paul traveling through Philippi, and here you see these early believers. And Lydia began to invite the, them into their home, and this was the beginning of the church in Philippi. And so when we read this letter from Paul, when we get this, this letter, just four short chapters, that uh, this letter comes about 10 years after the starting of that church. And so just think about this context. And, and here is Paul. He's, he's like a proud papa in some ways, writing to this, this young church, these young believers that just began their journey. And, and as he would write letters, sometimes he would write letters to different churches, which is a lot of our, our New Testament He would try to address different problems, different challenges that they might have. He was trying to coach them and guide them and lead them in truth. And so we get this letter to the the Philippians, the believers in Philippi. And and you just get this sense of, of, some people call it the happiest book in the New Testament. Four chapters. If you just want to read something happy, something encouraging, something that's going to just just, uh, enrich you in your walk with Christ, read Philippians. All throughout, it's about joy and rejoicing and celebrating what God is doing. And so you can just hear through Paul as he writes this letter to this church, you can do it. Keep going. God is with you. And so we're going to look through this letter and what Paul is writing to these, this young church, these younger believers, and how he's trying to encourage them, and what encouragement might we find from that? What moves that he is calling us to, the way, a way to look at life, what is it that he might be calling us to? And so even as we begin this book, and you look at the first couple verses in, in Philippians, just imagine I've just opened an envelope, 
and I've pulled out a letter, and this is Paul writing, and this is what he says. He says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Why would you say slaves of Christ Jesus? Paul and Timothy, they're saying voluntarily, we are in service to, to Jesus. We choose to be enslaved. We make this choice that he's our master, and we are here as his servants serving him. He says, I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. I'm glad he included them, that they belong to Christ Jesus. But he's saying this letter is for everyone. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So that's just this kind of opening. So, so back then they didn't have screens to have all the scriptures on up there for you or iPhones. It was just a letter that was read to people just like that. So they'd be listening. This letter's from Paul. What's Paul saying to us? And he says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Remember that time I just shared with you, the time when Lydia first heard it, the time when the jailer first heard it, when they began forming as the church and they began gathering together. From that time on, you've continued to share that good news. You've been continuing to grow in your faith, and it brings Paul great joy. And then he comes to this verse that I want to focus on today that really speaks about this first movement that we want to make. And he says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Let's read that again. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you, remember that good work 10 years ago that was started? That work when you first came to faith, when you first began to experience? Remember that good work? He's going to continue his good work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So I want to look at this verse a little bit. We're going to camp out here for a little bit. Who began this good work in the people and in the church? It says God. God began this good work. And I think some of us wonder, is God doing anything in me? What's God doing? Some of us here today might just be exploring faith, might be wondering, is there anything more for me here? You've come to church maybe looking for something. And maybe for you, this is where you stop right here, just to know that God began a good work. He placed a seed in you, a seed of faith that he wants to nurture, that he wants you to nurture, that can grow into something powerful, that can reveal the truth of God. I had a great conversation with somebody yesterday just on the journey, just seeking faith, just trying to to understand and figure out what God might be up to. And you could just hear the questions. You could hear the curiosity. Not there yet, not knowing yet, not able to profess and say, Christ, I know Christ, but, but asking the questions. And it's God who began this good work in you. And the church here, they recognized that they knew that, that, that he prepared them for a purpose. And this was, purpose was moving along. But here's the thing. A lot of us, we believe that God's done something. He's put us in our life, uh, and he's put us in this life to do something, to accomplish something. But instead of continuing to seek forward, to move forward, you know what happens? We settle. And we get stuck. And I think another way of settling and getting stuck, another term for that is often adult. Right? When you're a kid, the future, you can be anything you want to be. Your hopes, your dreams, they're huge, you know. Our children want to be dolphin trainers, and I hope that one day they get to be a dolphin trainer, because then I get to go to the aquarium and play with dolphins, and that'll be awesome. I don't know if they'll be a dolphin trainer, but how many of you as adults right now have a dream of being a dolphin trainer? You know, come on. 
Where are those crazy dreams of astronauts and things you could be? And then as you grow up and you go through school and you prepare for the future and you imagine life and you think about the kind of difference you're going to make in the world, the career you're going to have, the ways you're going to volunteer, the energies you're going to put forth, the kind of life and marriage you may have if that's what you want to have in life, or you imagine your family, and then you become an adult. And all of a sudden, you're paying school loans back, and you're working the job, and you're stuck in traffic, and things are just stuck. And all of a sudden, this whole idea, this promise that, that God's been doing something, he's placed in you, we just get stuck in this. And you think, and, and I hear this kind of language all the time as adults, even as you think about when we speak personally. Well, I am who I am. Take it or leave it. Basically, what you're saying is, I'm done growing. I have fully figured out who I'm supposed to be, and I'm gone as far as God can possibly take me, and as far as I've developed, and I've got all the answers. I am who I am. That's all it is. But you know, as I look back on my own life, I think that there are times where many times I felt like I've kind of got it figured out now. And then another five to six, seven years happen, and then you start realizing, you know what? I don't know if I've got it figured out yet. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing when we start realizing we don't have it all figured out. We're not just who we are and being grumpy and settled in, in life in that way. And in marriage, all this hope, you know, if you've ever been with a, a couple that's engaged, a couple that's just going through premarital counseling or just they're, they're, they're preparing for life together, the sky's the limit, their wedding day, it's happy, and then you hear phrases like, oh, they're just like an old married couple. Is that a compliment? <laughs> what do people mean by that, an old married couple? The assumption is... It's stale, it's boring, there's no life, you're just kind of going through the motions maybe. And we kind of get settled or we say, well, you know, marriage isn't great, we fight, we argue, but you know, we work it out and it's just the way it goes and we find our way. We're stuck, we're settled and we think that's okay. You think about family. How many have strained relationships in family? Or we go at home, yeah, it's crazy at home and there's anger, but you know, we, get our, we make our way through. Or brothers that haven't talked in years, or parents and children that have just kind of severed the relationship. And you just sort of accept it, saying, I guess that's just the way it is. Let's just move on. And that's not to say that there may be things in life that have brought you to that point, that, that maybe that's the healthiest thing for the time being right now. But you get into a, a mode where you say, that's just it. We're done. We're stuck. It's never going to get any better. You look at your career. Remember all the hopes you had for what your job or your career or what your future would be? And then I hear people saying, well, I'm just biding my time. I'm just going to see if I can make it through to retirement. I'm going to make it through until I can get that next stop option. I'm going to make it through until whenever, or, or it's just what it is. You're not reading books anymore. You're not going to training seminars anymore. You're not thinking about learning something else. You've just got it figured out. And you know what's beginning to happen? You start looking like one of those settlers in that commercial. <laughs> All of a sudden, other things are passing you by. In church and faith, we settle. We get so comfortable. It's, sometimes I wonder if we've made these seats too comfortable. We should have standing church or really hard. Remember those, you know, if you've been to Europe and those churches, those, they have these, these really hard pews. <laughs> you can't get too comfortable. And maybe that's a good thing because maybe we just even get settled in going, I've got it figured out. I've got all the answers. I've heard them some things and now I'm done with that. And we stop growing. We stop learning. You know, as long as I come to church, it's kind of like a refresher course. If I come once a month, twice a month, once in a while, as long as I kind of keep it going, that's good. It's comfortable. Oh, why are we building the new building? I mean, look, we're comfortable. It's good. It's been good for the last 20 years. Why are we, why are we doing something more? I mean, we're just going to ask for more money, or it's just going to take more time, or you need volunteers. Like, I, I'd rather just come and not have to do that. 
And so we settle in and we think it's good enough for us, but there's no growth. And faith, well, you know, I, I was baptized. I've got my get out of hell for free card, right? I'm good. I'm a card-carrying member. From here on out, I'm settled. I'm good. I've got all the answers. I've been told what was. I don't have to wrestle through any theology anymore. I don't have to wrestle through social issues and challenges that come. Do you see how easy it is for us to get settled? We stop asking new questions. We think we already have all the answers. And you know what? This is just a human tendency. This is not something that is unique just to you. It's unique to every one of us. It's just easier to stop and to stall than it is to keep moving forward. I think Paul here is reminding them, look, God began a good work in you, but he's begun this work and he's not done yet. Because settling is just, well, it's just easier. And if you ever see it, like growth is very hard, isn't it? It's hard to grow in life. And it's harder to grow when you're older. There's a reason there the phrase is you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? Or it's harder to teach an old dog new tricks. Because some, that, that, that fervor sometimes, that learning is gone and that desire is gone. And so how do, we, how do we put ourselves in a position where we realize, yeah, progressing is painful, I mean, if you ever work out, you understand, too, if you, you know, if you're trying to make progress on your diet or physically, it's hard. It's much easier just to stay, to stay neutral or to go backwards, right? And if you've gone backwards, if you've missed, like, a week of working out, unfortunately, it takes, like, three or four weeks to make back up what you've just lost, right? Progress is hard, and so many of us, we, we settle back, and we don't, we don't go through it. And then some of us react in, in, in quite a, an unhealthy way, and we think it's time to blow things up. It's time to just change things up radically, and sometimes that's good, sometimes that's necessary, but not when it comes at the expense of your marriage, right? Not if it comes at the expense of a relationship, and you're saying, you know, you realize you're stuck, and so you're going to do something brash and, and crazy. I say, no, 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 no. Paul's saying here, look, God began something in you, and he's going to continue this on. And so he's going to continue working. So how do you, how do you go from, you know, I think about that, that commercial, The Settlers. At some point, who were the settlers? They were the pioneers, they were the pioneers. They were the ones out front. They were the ones who were settling the West. And at one point, having that wooden house and having that faceless doll and enjoying those cabbages and the knee stomping, that was progress. That was arriving somewhere. But they stopped progressing. How do we not do that in our faith? How do we not do that in our life? And so then, so then Paul goes along and he says here, so God, right? I'm certain that God who began this good work within you, he will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We're a work in progress. We're never done growing. We're not done learning and seeing what God has. And he doesn't just want to do it through our own powers. It's God who empowers us. It's God who says you can keep going. You can keep progressing and experiencing what God has for you. See, because what he's looking at isn't just what you're doing, but it's who you're becoming. It's not just what you're doing, it's, it's who you're becoming in this process. And sometimes I think it's just a change of perspective. We feel stuck, we feel like we're at a dead end, we feel like we're not going anywhere, but we might be right where God wants us to be. The work of God can be disguised as setbacks, failures, and here's Paul, even imprisonment. He's writing this letter from prison. I think I forgot to mention that earlier, a pretty significant factor in this letter. Here he is from prison encouraging them, be joyful and rejoice and know that God is working. And even as he sits in prison where you could simply say God's done, I mean, that's about as subtle as you can get, he's still realizing God's still got him on mission, he's still got him on purpose for doing something. Progressing doesn't mean changing your circumstances, 
but maybe it's just changing your perspective. How can you look at your life right now differently? How can you look at your family, your marriage, your faith, your friendships, your career, and kind of go, God, what are you doing here? Am I done? Are you continuing to grow me? Is there, is there something you're trying to teach me? And to develop and to move through that. I love when, um, you know, when I see folks older than me in the church and, uh, you know, retirees or older, or maybe they're in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and, and, and they'll come up to me after a message or something like that and say, thank you so much, I learned something new today. I was like, man, you've been in church for, for decades. It means so much to me to know that you're still listening, that you're still growing, that you're still learning, that God's word is still speaking to you, that you're still saying, I'm making some changes, I'm doing some things. Or those of you that, that maybe are retired and don't just go, I'm going to throw my, my hands back now and, and this is it now, I'm going to just ride it out into the sunset. I think about, about, about Don Thompson who, who came to me as a snowbird here and, and said, you know, I, I used to have some, some businesses and things that I did and, and had some of our own buildings and so I just still like to tinker around and, and fix things and so if there's anything you need here, let me know. And we started making a, a honey-do list for Don. And he shows up and he just starts fixing things and repairing little things here and there and it means so much. And I could list dozens and dozens of examples of, of individuals and I, I think of, of, of Rick Flory who had a very successful business and, uh, and, and now could again just ride it right out into the sunset and he's, he's choosing to be a teach one, lead one mentor at the high school to pour in to some students. And then between uh, classes, you know, where he's got two different sections, he'll pop by here in the, in the church. I remember one, one day walking through the, through the lobby, and there he is assembling the, uh, the desk chairs, new, new desk chairs that we have for the staff, and just kind of tinkering around and putting them together. And I just think, behind the scenes, it's not glamorous, nobody's watching, nobody's having a big parade and cheering, but saying, you know, I, I want to find ways where God can continue to use me, maybe in different ways, maybe in small ways, some in big ways. God is continuing to work. What's the goal of all this? Where is this progressing? I mean, we're not done until Christ Jesus returns. So does that mean like, let me see, everyone check your pulse. You still have a pulse? You're not done. God's still saying until that day, you aren't done. And then he comes later in verses 9, 10, and 11. I just want to go through these here. He says, what's the goal? What are we working towards? And he says this, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and look at this, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Keep learning, keep learning, and let your love become stronger and stronger leading in, in, you into that. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. What's he trying to produce? The righteous character. He's saying this is the fruit. Fruit takes time, doesn't it? It begins from a seed, and it keeps growing, and it keeps ripening, and God is producing something in you. And remember, he's writing this to a church. He's not necessarily writing this to individuals. He's saying this to a body of believers, and he's saying, what God began in you, in this case 10 years ago, here at McDowell Mountain 20 years ago, God's not finished. He's want to continue to work through you and to transform you and to grow you and to lead you to become the kind of people, the kind of community that he's called us to become, to make an impact, to change lives, to let that fruit grow, that the character in us is strong. We are never done growing until we take our last breath. Yesterday here, we had a, uh, a celebration of life service 
for a lady that has been a part of our congregation in different ways over the last few years, Deanna Brown. Dean, uh, Dean Bloxham's sister, Dean and Jill, uh, were caring for her, especially in the last several months. In February, she was diagnosed with aggressive cancer they found in her body and really hit the point of no return and, and really began deteriorating very rapidly. And she often sat right over, right over here. She had recently uh, she had moved to Prescott, and so she has, wasn't always able to be here, but when she came, she was here. And, and as Dean did her eulogy and he shared her story, one thing that sticks out to me, here's somebody whose journey was never done until her last breath. She didn't have an easy life. She had a kind of a, sounded like a free spirit and, and a sense for adventure and wanting to experience life and all of its diversity. And, and that brought her great joys, but it also led her to a lot of great pains and a lot of great struggle. And it led her into addiction. It led her into depression. And you know, it could have been so easy to say, it's done. It's over. I'm finished. This is just the way my life is. But God, through, through people around her, began to lead her and lead her out of the addiction. So she ended her life 14 years of sobriety that she celebrated and just knew God had transformed in that way. And, and he led her through depression and through the faithful Christian influence of, of her family and of this church. About three years ago, she was getting connected to the church here and began just talking with the staff and pastors and, and would come to worship here. And she said, there's one Sunday where the light just went on. And she gave her life to Christ. And then three years ago, she was baptized, and, and God just really took her life and, and, and began to restore it. Even she didn't know then it would be the last three years of her life. But as we started hearing stories of the influence that she had, telling people about the pain and the struggle of going through sobriety, and, and person after person saying, thank you for saving my life, for speaking into me. But so you see, when the diagnosis came in February, she could have easily said, now it's done. Three months, I'm done, and it's all over, and, and angry and bitter. Bitterness could have sat in, uh, set into this. But instead, she said, we, we hear, heard from the family. She said, I just embrace this with gratitude. I look at my life with gratitude. I look at what God is doing. I just feel gratitude. And I'm at peace, and I'm ready to encounter God. And even in these last difficult months, she continued to grow. She continued to learn until God called her home. So are you stuck? Let's make a move. Let's say, God, what are you doing in my life? Let's open up, let his spirit speak to you. God, what are you trying to produce in my character? What are the situations you've led me into? And how can I, can I move more and more closer to you? And moms, I just want to thank you as you are those encouragers in the lives of your children. I thank God for my mom who continues to still call and to talk and to pray for me and saying, God, say, saying, you can do it, Mark. You know, give your best and let God do the rest and phrases like that that we hear all the time over and over and reminding me that that is truth. We believe in you and we believe in what you're doing and what God's called you to do. As you speak truth and life into your children, you're encouraging this very process that your Heavenly Father is encouraging in us. Don't stop. You're not done yet. There's more room to grow because God is producing something beautiful in your life and through your life. And if you've not started this journey with Christ, allow God to begin a good work in you because he will continue to carry it through to completion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and for the encouragement that comes. Thank you for your servant Paul and just the way that he, he just expressed this love for the church and for those people that have begun this journey with you. 
Father, may we remember, God, that you're working in us, you're growing us, you're changing us, even through the difficulties, especially through the difficulties. And God, as a church, that you still have so much more for us ahead and that we would embrace that with everything that we are, that we would follow you with our full heart and with our full passion. And God, that you would grow that character in us and produce that fruit all around us. We love you, Jesus, and we give you our lives. Amen.